The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy, as always, you're tuning in to another episode of Dose of Leadership. Got a great guest today. Peter Kazadoy is on the show. He's the author of a great book, a book called Honest to Greatness. He's an Inc. 5000 serial entrepreneur. He's a TEDx speaker. He's a business coach. And this book, Honest to Greatness, is, is perfect. I love this topic. You know, I don't too often, particularly in the corporate arena, and I, I miss that from the Marine Corps. We had this brutal, honest environment. We called it as we see it. And I think that's something that, that we're missing these days. I think people are a little too sensitive. And I think we have to, in my mindset, we have to look at businesses, particularly in organizations, that this is a life and death proposition. Say you got an organization with 150 employees. At a minimum, you got 300 lives that are at stake, assuming that at least everybody has at least one person that's dependent upon their job, if not more. And so I look at it that way. It's life and death. And when you have a business or you look at life or businesses as life and death type propositions, you know, you have to have brutal honesty. You can't afford someone not getting the full truth. You got to get the brutal, brutal tr- truth out there. It's it's in the best interest of the business to keep it to to survive. That's how you create these unbeatable cultures, and that that's really at the heart of great cultures is a culture of brutal honesty. You know, you got to earn your team's respect. You got to earn that loyalty, and sometimes it's just simply being brutally honest. And I think. When you're looking at yourself, if you're trying to tap into your own personal fulfillment or you're trying to figure out who you are, at some point you're going to have to get brutally honest about your own self-limiting head trash that we all are dealing with. So that's what I love this book. I love this idea of, of brutal honesty. And, and this book, Honest to Greatness, is going to help you. And that's what's great about this book. It's filled with powerful lessons for current and future leaders. It's a timely book shows how we can use honesty at both the organizational and individual level so that we can be great. That's what it's about, right? And that's what we talk about in this conversation with Peter. Peter's great, great conversationalist. Really glad to have him on the show. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. The show is brought to you by my brand new sponsor, Hutton. Hutton designs, builds, and services commercial construction projects all throughout the Midwest. They're longtime fans of this podcast. They're committed to the highest standards of leadership. That's why I'm so proud that they're supporting Dose of Leadership as a sponsor. They're behind so many projects, stunning structures, built from the ground up, remodeled hospitals, medical offices, manufacturing, industrial facilities, municipal buildings, financial institutions, churches, schools, you name it. If there are hard hats involved and there's drawing boards involved, Hutton's probably behind it. These days, they're both architects and builders, and that's what I love about them. I mean, if I was going to commit to building something, that's what I would want. I would want a single trusted partner to work with from start to finish. Hutton gets that. It's their vision delivered from paper to structure. And to them, it's more than a construction project. It's a creative endeavor. And they always put people over projects, always. 
That's how it goes, how they treat their clients, how they treat their employees. It's how they interact with the community. You see, character counts with Hutton, and that's how they select their staff, their subcontractors, how they serve the community. And it's not lip service. I know the CEO personally, and they're the real deal. They're professional, hardworking, charitable, Midwestern values in all the best ways. That's their culture. It's who they are. That's Hutton. Go check them out at HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. That's HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't done so. Tell somebody about the show. Word of mouth does wonders keeping me up with the rankings in both Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher. And I really do appreciate your support. Let's get on with this con- conversation now with Peter Cosadoy here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Peter, what an honor to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Rich. Excited for your stuff, man. This brutal honesty thing is is something that I've, it's one of my pet peeves, particularly in the world of business. But man, it just seems like it's something that uh, is so needed and so lacking in, in everywhere we look, right? Yeah, it depends. I mean, I've had folks say to me, like, you're out here championing strategic, brutal honesty as if that's, you know, going to help. And meanwhile, I turn on TV and I see scandal after scandal in both the public and private sector. And they're like, so obviously it doesn't work. And I'm like, no, no, obviously it does. Yeah. Look at all of the scandals that we now know about that 20, 30, 50 years ago, we had no idea. That is honesty and transparency at work. That's the whole point is that, you know, how does a leader achieve outcomes in the 21st century where everyone has a smartphone, where everything's being recorded, you know, somewhere uh, in a world like that. The entire point is that it will no longer pay to do anything but be honest and transparent. And the evidence for that is all around us. Yeah. One thing I appreciated, I agree with you hundred percent. And one thing I truly got, and my listeners have heard me say this, Countless times on the show, but one of the great takeaways I got from me in the Marine Corps, it was a very brutally honest, when it worked well and it was firing all cylinders, a brutally honest culture. Meaning I would walk into work and say I look like a bag of donuts. Uh, there was no you know, whispering. It was in your face. Get out of here. You look like a bag of donuts and go fix whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I love that. I love that kind of unabashedly, you know, out in the open this is our standards, this is our expectations, and if you don't live up to them, you're going to get called out. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, and in culture after culture that I profile in the book, in Honest to Greatness, I show that, you know, essentially cultures that get out of their own way, you know, remove that sense of ego, remove the self-doubt, and really get to brass tacks, what happens is they're far more efficient. This shouldn't be rocket science to anyone, right? It's like, if we're not farting around figuring out, you know, how to sidestep and and around Kathy's ego, then (laughs) we can get a lot more done. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, I say in the book and I think I said in my Ted talk is there's all kinds of research showing that positive reinforcement works, right? Like, Oh, we got to be positive and positively reinforced people. And that's what helps people, you know, uh, come together and achieve better outcomes. Let's not confuse the truth here. The reason why that's true is because of our delicate egos. That does not mean that if we can remove our delicate egos and have the culture you described, where we can just actually be brutally honest, that that actually is the more efficient way to go. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It, it, you, know, The whole idea, I've used the term, I love the term brutal honesty, and I've used that a lot in in my coaching and even when I was 
consulting an organization on a 12-month gig, and I used that word a lot. And then I was – I had somebody on my show, and I can't remember who it was, and they did not like the word brutal because it, it gave these images of you know, people's feelings getting hurt or people kind of cowering in the corner. Um, and they almost argued that the term brutal honesty kind of reinforces the kind of – the dominant culture that's kind of the, the Me Too movement is as as effectively exposed. What are your thoughts when you hear me say that? Yeah, that's that's one of the the most important questions, and let's unpack that. As I started down this road, which by the way surprised me, like it should be a shock to anyone that me, like if, if anyone knew me in high school, <laughs> like that I am the guy talking about like brutal honesty and transparency and all this crap. That would be a shock to anyone, right? So I say, you know, if I can learn this, anyone can. But one of the things that happened when I started writing and speaking about this is people were like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. Like brutal honesty. I'm brutally honest. I just tell everyone like it is. I don't care. And I look at them like, oh, that's cool. Um, you know, it's probably, that's not really honesty. That's just you being an asshole. <laughs> right. Like, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the, one of the things I needed to do right out of the gate is redefine what honesty even means. And for any of you who've read the book, like I spend the entire book really weaving through that explanation because it's not as simple as you might think. Uh, one of the CEOs makes a great point. He says, if you're flying in an airplane, you're an aviator, so you're going to get this one, Rich. If you're flying in an airplane and the pilots come over the intercom and they say, well, folks, we've never seen storm clouds like that before. So please uh, buckle your seatbelts. Not quite sure if we're going to get this bird to the ground, but we're going to try our hardest. Is it honest? Yeah, maybe. But is it helpful? No. Right. Honesty is only as good as the trust that it creates and the outcomes that it achieves. So one of the things I had to do was redefine honesty. And, and sometimes it does mean being brutally honest with others, right? Hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. Hey, do you mind if I give you this direct feedback? It's not pretty, so on and so forth. Sometimes that is the best thing. And there are many instances in my book of leaders and organizations who who took that route, got brutally honest uh, with their vendors, with their customers, with their partners and, and investors, right? Right. But other times, Rich, very important, we need to be brutally honest about others. And that's very different. This is where deep empathy comes into play. You know, it's being brutally honest about how others think, how others feel, how differently they may think and feel from you, what their biases may be, what their self-limiting beliefs are, what their fears are, what drives them. And only by balancing those two things, being honest with others and about others and developing the wisdom to know in what scenario you need to do each, that is how leadership is born, right? In, in the nuance of understanding how to use honesty, not as a touchy-feely core value, but as a weapon to achieve results. I love that. In fact, you know, as you were starting this, your what you were saying there, I was writing down a uh, couple it with empathy. And right when you said that about the empathy piece, that's exactly right. I mean, that it's the emotional quotient piece that exactly. allows you to use, as you, I love how you said that, that use honesty as a weapon and, mm -hmm. and, and a weapon for good. And so, uh, yeah, I love how you said that. You've got to have. That's what separates the assholes from the leader. Right. Because the leader's going to work like a madman to exercise that EQ muscle, right? While they're doing that. That's this. right. And when that's you That's right. And there's a and there's a brutalness to that. I mean, for you, sure. you look at uh, everyone will relate to this because everyone has parents, right? There's a moment where you realize as a kid that your parents are just people, 
right? Right. That's a brutally honest. It woman. is. Yeah. It has nothing to do with offending anyone. It really is a a mindset shift, and those can sometimes be the most brutal things of all. Um, and so I, I think that's the message: is, is as a weapon, as a hammer, right? We want to wield honesty, and we want to do it with enough force to be effective. But that doesn't mean going out and offending people. I love that. Yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense, and I'm glad how you fr- frame that. I think what's helped me too to understand this concept of brutal honesty, and I do like the word brutal, even though that guest I had on there, she kind of was like, oh, I'd rather use, I think she wanted to use compassionate honesty or something like that. I still like the word brutal because it doesn't, there are times when we shouldn't have to sugarcoat. For example, I can't tell you how many times in the corporate arena where there was bad news that had to be relayed to the to the folks. And there was this tendency to pull back and not give everybody the full brutal brutal truth. And my argument was, look, they deserve that truth. And when you give it in a brutal fashion, this is what it is. They may not like to hear it, but but when they do get the full picture, you've actually empowered everybody to help solve the problem. And there seems to be this tendency, and I've seen this probably three times in my corporate career where they didn't want to give everybody the full picture either for they would argue for legal reasons but really what was at play was that they 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 felt like people would they couldn't handle the bad news and my argument was look if you don't give them the full news they're going to fill in that void with something and it's probably going to be worse than the truth of course yeah so of course and that's what's so sad is this whole idea of sugarcoating it, it's ruinous. Um, yeah. And I, I, I tell the story of companies like, you know, the Netflix and, and Blockbuster saga, yeah. which everyone knows what happened there. And you have to imagine, you know, what, what people don't realize about that story is that Net, uh, Blockbuster had years and years to figure out what Netflix was doing. They had meetings with Netflix. They had the opportunity to buy Netflix, to partner with Netflix. They kept failing because someone or some group of people in that organization were pretending that everything could go on as it was, that they didn't need to innovate, that they didn't need to evolve, that consumer trends were not changing. And they're essentially, they built their own sugar-coated cocoon that they wanted to mm-hmm. live in. Like, these are the blinders we're going to use, and, and that's it. You know, so... so you know, when you say sugarcoating, it's so apropos and it takes so many different and harmful forms, um, you know, and, and we can quantify that. It, Blockbuster lost an $8 billion valuation. That's a, that's, you know, expensive sugar, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I do take issue with the, you know, it's funny, you had, you had this other guest that, that was like, oh, brutal. I don't know. I think that's part of the biggest problem we're facing as a society is we've shied away from brutal honesty. Um in, I mean, uh, interpersonally, right? We were seeing lots more of it out in leadership, public, private sector. But within ourselves, we've we've gone into this place of, you know, I, mean, I don't know about you, Rich. You know, I was raised on uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah. So I, you know, sort of understood that to mean it's okay if I learn the truth. Like the truth is okay to hear. It's okay that people have opinions about me. I, mean, I was a male figure skater. It's called every name in the book. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. So, you know, and with, and I could have done one of two things with that. I could have sort of crumpled uh, or I could have used it, weaponized what was, what was honestly happening to me. Right. I learned so much about 
how people act and interact, what their fears are. What, what does it mean to make fun of someone else? What is that revealing about their ego? What is, like, thank goodness I had all of those experiences, right? Yeah. But that, life, life is brutal. The world is brutal. Um, yeah. So, you know, these, these sort of cocoons are what I'm trying to fight with, you know, with this entire message. Man, I, you're speaking my language. I love how you put, you frame that. It is like a, a sugar-coated cocoon. And it's, and the thing of it is, I understand it now with an empathetic eye. They, we do it for good intentions. But the, but the, the problem is it can lead to, di- to disaster, I think I don't ba- even know. I don't even. I don't even know if I agree with that, Rich. I think we do it with an eye to self-preservation. Oh, that's a, you, yeah. you know. You're probably right. You're probably right because, and I'll tell you. Tell you why I think that the same executives that were sugarcoating that message, they would not have wanted that done to themselves. That's true. Agree. Agree. So you know, we have this weird, the unempathetic switch that happens. Like when we're delivering bad news, we, we take up this position that if we were on the other side, usually it'd be like, you know what, just just tell me. I'll tell you where people get in trouble is they surprise people. You know what? So I talk a lot about feedback and feed forward and the difference and where feedback is to take a step before that, which is to ask permission. Hey, I have, you know, I have something to say about this. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Would it be all right if I shared it? Now people psychologically are primed. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, well, I can take it, please, you know, tell me. And they're ready. I think it's when people are surprised that you get, uh, you know, a a worse outcome. I like how you framed it from asking for permission. I think sometimes too, when you get in these situations and, um, egos are at play always and, and, you know, someone thinks they're asking for permission, for example, when they say, you know, I don't mean with all due respect, which means, yeah. you know, you know, when people start a phrase like that, it usually means, you know, I don't mean to insult you here, but, you know, here comes an insult, you know, yeah. but the way you framed it, there's a subtle but very powerful difference from what you said, right? Can I ask for you? Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. You're, you're kind of prepping, you're prepping the field saying, I'm, I'm going to say something here that's a little uncomfortable for me, but I think it's important, right? I mean, just that kind of laying that groundwork like that kind of changes the game as opposed to with all due respect, you know? And that's, that's my hope. Like as you know, anybody who's, who's read the book or, or watched my other keynotes, it's like, I'm trying to do two things here. I'm trying to uh, strengthen people's egos and help them understand that when truth comes at you, you don't need to react. You don't need to have a fiery emotion about it. You can just take it and internalize it and think about it and be open-minded, right? Willing to, to, you know, admit something different than you believe, et cetera, et cetera. And on the other side, I'm trying to help people understand how their words and actions affect the egos yeah, of others. Right. And if we can do both those things, right, if we can have people who are, who are sort of mentally stronger to receive uh, tough messages, brutal honesty, and we have people who are being much more careful about not trying to stuff their opinion down other people's throats, not trying to assault their ego. I mean, imagine the society we could build. Yeah. That's really what this is about. Absolutely. What's helped me, I kind of frame it when I want to, and when I need to be brutally honest with somebody or something or something needs to be said, I kind of frame it in, I play in my head. Like if I'm getting ready to walk out the door, if my fly's down or I got bad breath, I want my wife telling me those two things. <laughs> right? yeah, that's it. And she's doing that out of, it's, a, it's hard for me to hear. It's hard for her to tell me. My, my, not my wife really, but it's hard to tell somebody else, somebody else that, hey, your fly's down or you got bad breath. 
Mm-hmm. But if I'm telling you I'm doing it out of place of love, not out of right, because I want I'm I I'm, I care about you, and that's how I kind of frame or psych myself up when I got to deliver the bad news or brutal honest truth. Totally. I don't know. That's just how I see it. I mean, it, it has to come from a place of empathy and love, right? Yeah, it has to. Well, otherwise, we have you know what I said earlier, like people fully 100% believing that they are right, right? Nobody walks around thinking like, wow, I, I suck and everything I think is wrong. And they, like, <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? We, we make choices and we have beliefs because we think they are correct. Yeah. The problem comes when we shut the door to what other people may think is correct. Yeah. Right? And we just go about this mission of shoving whatever our outlook is down the throats of the people around us. It, by the way, it doesn't, it's not an effective thing. Like it doesn't work. I mean, think about it, Rich. Like when have, have you witnessed a person that walks up to another human being and says like, you know what? Everything you believe is wrong. And I can't believe you would think that. And I can't believe you would do that. And you need to change. And then have that other person go like, you know what? (laughs) You're right. You're right. (laughs) Why? I can't believe I was walking around thinking all these things and and taking all these actions. Well, how stupid am I? Thank you so much for, for letting me know. Like it doesn't happen, right? It's not effective. And, and as I said earlier, this is strategic, brutal honesty to achieve outcomes. So, so learning how to be honest with others, about others, what kind of language to use, stop giving advice. You know, you'll, you rarely have ever hear me say you should do X. I don't know what you should do. I have no idea. Right. So what, what I'm doing instead is, you know, if you ask me about something, I'll share an experience. Say, so, well, you know, I had this thing happen to me and, and this is what uh, I experienced. And this is what I was thinking at the time and feeling. And then this is what happened. And, you know, maybe that helps you. Because I don't know your situation. Yeah, I think that's you know that's almost like the the value of obviously you've you're a coach. I mean that's something that a coach does, right? A coach doesn't necessarily, or a mentor, probably more of a mentor. A coach kind of extracts something and it lets you try to come up with the situation. A mentor kind of says, "Well, this is what's worked for me." You know, yeah. take it for what it's worth. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, I guess. We know it doesn't work because that's what social media is, right? Social media is full <laughs> yeah. of this is you're screwed up, you're dumb, I'm right, you're wrong. It is really about exercising the emotional quotient piece. Your whole book really is about that. It's it's an emotional intelligence book, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. I didn't set out to for it to be. Again, I mean, I I set out to write a marketing book, Rich. <laughs> I had nothing to do with this, you know. And, right. and I was just fed up with. Um, you know, seeing clients over the years and, and we've worked with, you know, startups of the fortune 500, just not understanding that all they had to do was, was be honest you know, in all the ways that we're talking about. And instead there was hiding and sugarcoating and ignoring the truth, ignoring the data, ignoring what their customers thought. I mean, it was just, nobody prepared me. Like, I, have, I have an MBA from Columbia. There is no class about what to do when uh, the leader of a $500 million organization doesn't want to, you know, engage with the truth. That's not a class. So, um, you know, that, that's what frustrated me. So I, I sat down to write, you know, what I thought was a, a marketing book because I was seeing it, you know, owning a marketing agency from that lens. And, you know, I queried 400 literary agents, most of whom didn't get back to me, many of whom did get back to me and told me that I would never be a, a writer and this is a, you know, a terrible idea. And I went about it all the wrong way. Uh, three agents took a meeting and one signed me. And as soon as he did, he was like, you know, Peter, you know, just so you know, I mean, this isn't really a book about marketing. It's a book about honesty. And I said, well, clearly I signed with the only literary agent who can't read because there's nothing to do with that. I mean, did you not read the manuscript? Uh, and, you know, of course I went home and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, holy shit, he's absolutely right. 
you know, this is much bigger than just how do we communicate? It's what do we believe? How do we treat each other? You know, what, what do we need as a society and, and what's really happening to, you know, to the, the truth. And I don't mean like your truth, right. Which is oh so popular today. It's like, it, it, that, that confounds me. I'm like, okay, so we're going to have 7 billion people all living their Their truth. truth, And then like being proud of that, like what, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> like we need some sort of return to objectivity uh, in order to, to have a sort of an agreed upon, like what's really happening here. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation and I wanted to take the time to introduce you to Ben Hutton, the sponsor of today's episode. Ben, tell our listeners what Hutton is all about. Hey, thanks, Richard. You know, we're a huge dose of leadership fans here at Hutton. So I appreciate the opportunity to sponsor your, your program and be with you here today. You know, Hutton is a commercial architecture and construction firm headquartered in Kansas, but we do work really throughout the Midwest, designing and building things like hospitals, office buildings, schools, industrial and manufacturing facilities. But really, uh, more than that, we see ourselves as leaders in the communities that we serve. Yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, knowing you all these years. I love your intention around leadership and your vision as a company. So what do you think makes Hutton different? Sure. You know, Richard, our purpose is to build life into our employees' dreams, clients' visions, and community's future. We really start with putting our people first, and then we keep people at the center of everything that we do, which really means we walk alongside of our clients from the very first thoughts they have about a building all the way through completion and then maintenance into the future. I love it. That's why I'm glad that you're a sponsor of this show, Ben. So great. How can people learn more about your company? Yeah, so to learn just a little bit more about us, you could go to huttonbuilds.com slash togetherwebuild. Great, Ben. Thanks for being a sponsor. You know, that's it's funny because that term honesty, it's kind of like the term leadership. It's like if I tell you you just need to be honest, everybody is probably going, oh, yeah, of course. But then when you really start examining the word honesty, kind of like when you examine the word leadership, you need to be a good leader. It's like when you really start to to dive into that, it's like, whoa, this is pretty heavy stuff. It's like, yeah, it, you, you, yeah, it is. Yeah. Because it's I, critical. It's very critical. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the thing that was kind of striking me about this term honesty and being brutally honest, it's like on the surface, you, you say that, who can disagree with that? It's like saying we want clean air and clean water. Well, of course we do, right? But how do you achieve honesty and you think well of course i'm an honest guy but i think <laughs> it, when we look at our the, the biggest challenge is ourself examining ourselves because i don't think and i'm i know i'm guilty of this on a daily basis on an hourly basis that i don't really look at myself realistically if i'm going to be brutal honest with myself i, I you know because I, I think as people we we use two totally different sets of criteria for judging ourselves and judging others and we tend to judge totally. others according to their actions and it's cut and dried, right? However, we judge ourselves by our intentions, right? So mm-hmm. even if we, if, so even if you and I make the same mistake, I, I'm going to let myself off the hook probably earlier, easier than I'm letting you off the hook, right? Because I believe my intentions were, were good. And well, yeah. well, Peter was just being stupid, right? And it can swing both ways. You sure. know, there are other instances where you're going to be much harder on yourself because you're reading your thoughts. You're not reading mine. True. Maybe you're beating yourself up, you know, because you have a fear about something where you look at me and say, oh, that that guy, you know, public speaks in front of a thousand people. How does he do that? And it's like, no, no, I have the same anxiety about it. You do, you know, but, but you don't know that because you're not in my head. Right. That's again, you know, part of part of honesty and being a studier of, you know, what's true here. And, and it's funny, you, you know, that that whole phrase, well, I'm an, I'm an honest guy. 
um, it, that's sort of the kiss of death, right? It, honesty is like self-awareness. Like the, the people who tell you they're self-aware, that is the bellwether that they are not self-aware, right? <laughs> right <laughs> because exactly that, right. that's not what it is. And same thing with honesty. My wife gets mad at me because sometimes on these shows, you know, people will be like, you know, are, are you honest? No, I, I don't think I'm a particularly honest person because that's the whole point. Right. As soon as I tell you, yo, yeah, I'm honest. I've lost the battle. That's not what this is. You know, this is a constant um, technique of self discovery and, and getting honest with ourselves and about ourselves and, and sort of breaking through all of those self-limiting pieces of bullshit that we stew in that are not even true. And that honestly, you know, what, what has surprised me the most about transitioning from, uh, you know, from owning companies, which I still do, but now, you know, I'm doing a lot of coaching. I'm, I'm helping, I mean, I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs, you know, build their own seven figure company. And, 90% of the time it it's talking about them you know as a leader and you know all the things they believe that aren't true and and they're trying to build a skyscraper of a business on a foundation of bullshit right know, assumptions that just simply are not true um that's probably been most surprising to me you know transitioning to to the coaching i would imagine that yeah i can see how that would happen i mean even doing this show for 8 years i mean when people ask me what's the biggest takeaway it is it is the kind of universal um, struggle that everybody deals with or this this internal battle of getting real with yourself. It's it never I don't think it ever fully goes goes away. I mean I've had no. Barbara Corcoran, Steve Forbes, people told me on this show that they struggle with it to this day. And they they kind of they kinda laughed at me and they, and what's great is what I learned from them is that they said they stopped Worrying about having it go away, they just realize it never is. It's always going to be there, and having that awareness that it's always going to be there gives them the right tools and the pre preparedness to deal with it when it crops up. And totally, I, I think that's the way to look at it. Yeah, yeah and it, it because it is a journey, and you know, folks like that. I mean, so Barbara, you know, endorsed my book. Yep. I got to work on on one of her companies uh, a few years ago, and um, that is a woman who is unafraid to be honest about who she is yep. and honest about who she was and honest about who she might be. She, like many of the other leaders in my book, love those three little words, which is not, I love you, but I don't know. Yeah. And she just like, she's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. Um, and that sort of, that's a whole level of confidence that, that is sort of a, a, a yield, right? It's like, mm -hmm. There are so many factors outside of our control. The only thing we do control is our own outlook and the way we behave and act. By the way, what's weird is everyone, most people are trying to control the things they can't control and then fail to control themselves, right? So I think there's <laughs> right. a, a huge lesson there. Um, but you know, that I hope what I hope people see in her is is a you can actually just give up everything except for confidence in self and being willing to be open and honest and, and, you know, seeing what, whatever comes at you and taking it day by day. And that is the way to success. That's really all yeah, we can right. control if we're going to be honest about it. It's one of the dichotomy. I love that how you phrase that because it's, it's one of the dichotomies of, of life and leadership, particularly, you know, we think, oh, we got this leadership position or I'm the owner of this business and I got to have all the answers. And it's so empowering to the people around you when it is the ultimate in confidence to sit there and say, you know what? I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. 
right? Yeah, no, I didn't. And, and, and that's how so many of the companies in my book, I mean, I talk about, uh, you know, Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage, right? It's like yeah. they came out of nowhere, stole the mortgage market from their much bigger publicly traded competitors. And they did it because some intern was like, hey, how can we kill a tree every time we get a mortgage? Why don't we just get it on our phone? It seems kind of easy. And they were like, yeah, seems like a good idea. Uh, well, team, you go do that, figure it out and let us know. It's their entire culture. Like, yeah. we don't know. So let's go do it and see if it works. And of course, when you have a culture like that, that's not being, you know, death gripped by the leadership, who's like, again, stuffing their idea of reality down the throats of, of their, you know, uh, organization, you get incredible outcomes. It, honesty is an act of attrition, omission, right? Mm -hmm. Taking something away, relaxing the grip. It's not about doing more um, or harder. I love how you phrase that. It is about relaxing the grip. And, I, and I'm thinking back to, again, my experiences in the Marine Corps and flying planes and, and, and working with businesses. You're right. It's, it's like when things are really going wrong, say even in a, a short time frame of a crisis in a cockpit or something, it's amazing how the effective ones where people have pulled themselves out of miraculous situations or dealt with things so calmly, it wasn't through this you know, one person at the top of the pyramid barking orders. It was a like, it was this openness and honesty of what do we have? What's going on? I don't know what hap what's happening here. You know, you, you know, there's, it's, it's just, it coalesces and brings everything together. This honest, open environment, right? Where there's no, it's like the phrase is no egos in the cockpit. And that's really what we're saying is let's, let's just make sure everything's open, honest, and brutally frank. Don't let my Ego, don't let my appearance of knowledge or lack of knowledge, my grumpiness, my aloofness, don't let that, don't let me crash into a mountain. Don't let me land with my gear up. Don't let me land, run out of fuel. Speak up. Right. 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 Everybody's got a voice here. Yep. Yeah. I love this stuff. How did you, okay, so you kind of answered part of that question is that you, you were, you're a marketing guy, you had a marketing agency. It's kind of what you're known for. You started writing a marketing book. I love how it kind of presented itself a whole different – what you went into and what you came out with were completely different, right? I love Story that. Story of my life. <laughs> yeah, right? Isn't that the way though? It's like every – I can't tell you how many times I've asked people in the show. It's like, did you ever think you were going to end up here? And they say, absolutely not. And nope. But at least they were open for the journey. And when doors presented themselves, you're like, well, I don't know where this is going. Let's just go see, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it's been. Yeah. I should ask this in the beginning, but we started talking right on the honesty, but you, you mentioned you were a um, male figure skater and were you trying for the Olympics? Did I read that in your bio? Is that what's that? It, was? That was always the dream. Yeah. That was At, the dream. Uh, you know, I like to say at 17, I knew two things to be true. The first was that I was going to the Olympics as a figure skater and it was always the dream. And, um, that I was also going to Harvard. And I grew up, grew up outside of Boston. I had several family members go. Um, that was your, those were your two dreams, figure skating and that was it. Harvard. Yeah. And by 18, uh, it was very clear that I was not going to be you know good enough to make an Olympic team. I just couldn't hold it together. I didn't have it. Uh, I applied to Harvard. Harvard sent me a nice letter back saying, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> and, um, and it was, you know, it was devastating. The good news, Rich, is that it fueled, you know, my twenties. I started a company at, 22, right out of college, uh, you know, immediately went tens of thousands of dollars into debt, not knowing what the hell I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then over the next eight years, you know, built a, a multi-million dollar Inc. 5000 marketing agency. And I had those kind of two giant chips on my shoulder fueling me. And that 
went great until a tragedy struck. I don't know if this has happened to you. It's very embarrassing to admit, but I turned 30. <laughs> Ugh. And that was brutal. And for some reason, I don't know why that, that age really hit me. And I had this massive feeling like I hadn't done enough or I hadn't done what was in honest alignment with who I really was. And what I realized was that those two big failures had knocked me into like a second best version of self. It's like, well, I'm not going to be first best, Peter. So I guess all the big, big stuff I want to do, you know, I'll just have to let that go. And so that was a, you know, probably the first huge moment where I had to get brutally honest with myself um, and I, and made some changes. And that's really when a lot of this coalesced for me. And I think that's what my agent was picking up on when he said like, this is a book about honesty because I always knew it worked for companies. I always knew it worked for profits. I never really understood how it worked for, for us as, as people on a personal level until I, I followed my own, you know, and, and I was sort of developing this framework as I went along, uh, you know, what I now call the hourglass of honesty, but, you know, using brutal honesty as a weapon, as a tactic, everything we've talked about, I was able to achieve more in the 18 months after I turned 30 than I had in the 10 years prior. Interesting. I mean, it was really just life-changingly remarkable. Was it, um, was it because you, 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 as you said, it was getting brutal honest with yourself. So you get, you hit 30 and you pretty much had gone through your twenties with what was fueling you was, as you said, chips on your shoulder. And, but you've, as you've said, what came up, a realization to you is that, well, you've just, you kind of accepted that this is second best. And so you kind of internally squashed whatever potential or dreams that you had kind of stirring in there. Right. Is that, is that what you were saying? Is that, and then, and so what did you do? How did you get brutally honest with yourself? Why did, what said made you say, okay, you know what? It's not these chips on the shoulders. I have potential to do whatever anything at what it was. I mean, how did you, how did you get through that dark night of the soul? I guess is what it sounded like what happened to you. For it is cognitive dissonance. You know, this idea that we're living out of sync with, with a sense of self. And the conversation I had with myself was very simple. It was, I can continue to live this life, right? Mm-hmm. The, I'm not an author. I don't have an MBA. I'm, you know, don't have a TEDx talk, all the things I've accomplished. And, you know, what's the risk and reward of that? Well, the, the reward is I get to feel like this for the rest of my life, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I'm missing something. Um, But the risks are low because, you know, doing nothing is risk-free or, or people perceive it to be risk-free. I actually take great issue with that, you know, now on the other side of this, or I can do big, scary things that are going to cost a lot of time and money and are going to upend a lot of the the things I've built over the last 10 years and throw myself into the unknown. But I have a chance of coming out of the other side of it, having that sense of fulfillment and accomplishment that can only come by getting honest with who you are, what you want and what it takes to get there and then getting there. And, you know, what's remarkable is it only took four years. I mean, only four years is a long time, but in four years, I had basically scratched every single thing off my list and I set the biggest goals I could think of. Um, so that, you know, it really, <laughs> this stuff really does work. It's not easy, but it is that simple. And I think it takes a tremendous amount of, you, you got to do it every day, right? I mean, totally. you, you got to totally remind yourself 
where you're going and why you're getting there. I think that what it is you want to accomplish is is probably the hardest question. And it's even for me. I mean, I even kind of find myself that here now that I've accomplished a lot of things that I wanted to, but I haven't accomplished everything that I've and now I'm in a different place, right? And I'm like, okay, I want to accomplish this in the next 10 years. But I got to sit down and do the hard work about what does it even look like? Because I kind of accomplished, you know, in the last, I don't know, five or six years, I've accomplished a lot that I, same thing. Like I wrote some things down and, and, and they happened. But now I find myself resting on my laurels a little bit. And now I got to do the hard work again. I'm like, where, okay, where do I want to take it now? And I think surrounding myself, I think I had this conversation with someone the other day, but surrounding myself with people who kind of push me and say, no, you, you need to dream, even dream bigger, right? I don't know if you did that with you, with yourself, but like I'll write like audacious, hairy goals down and I find it helpful if I'm surrounding by the right people who even push me even further than that. I don't know if you do that yourself, but that totally. seems to help me. Yeah. 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 That's a big part of it. And now I run groups for entrepreneurs called forum, um, that, you know, we come together and we are brutally honest with, you know, what's going on in our personal business, family lives, and just having reflections from other members, experience shares from other members. It, it's, it's huge. I mean, the leveling up and the, the ceilings that, you know, my forum members crash through. I mean, we just had forum last night. Somebody realized something about himself he'd been living with for 20 years, didn't even see it, you know, until, until he made a presentation in the group. So it's that kind of stuff. That really matters. It's not the Lamborghini. It's not the beach house. It's you know. It's yeah. you know. It's it's the um, and self enlightenment, right? Yeah. And those constantly getting more and more honest with the self. I've found is just there's no journey like it. I agree with you. Yeah, and getting in those mastermind groups or participating in them. And I ran a, ran a few and even run one now, and it is one of the most enjoyable things is to watch the power, the dynamics of having the right people with the right mindset together and pushing each other is, I think that's, that's, that's very rewarding for me. What else is there? Yeah. You know, I don't think one of the, yeah. one of the questions I've been asking myself over the past um, year, you know, it's 2020 Corona zombie apocalypse, everything else that's going on is, you know, what really matters, right? What really matters, right? So, you know, when you get out of bed in the morning, asking what really matters, it puts my whole day in a different perspective. It really does. I like to ask the question too of, you know, I used to think about the word success and people say, what does it mean to be successful? And I'll get things, the answers like the Lamborghini, the income level, the position, the beach house, whatever. But I like to flip it on its head and then ask, what does a significant life look like? And it always, it's always amazing to ask that question and watch people kind of drop their shoulders and sit back and they start, you can see their gears grinding, trying to think of what that looks like. And when the answers tend to be a little more consistent across the board, because they're about the things that answers your question, what really matters. Yep. Right. And that what really matters question, there's a lot of commonality between you know, you and I probably have similar answers to that, right? As would the man on the street, we, if we ask that same question, I think, yeah. I think that's the answer to a lot of that. If, I wish, you know, everything seems so out of control, but if we start asking, what does a significant life look like? And the really important things start to come forth and to get there, it's everything you're talking about in your book, right? It's like, you got to get really honest. There's nothing, you know, look, it, 
you can use every other tactic in the book, but, but honesty is the foundation, right? Right. If you're not willing to start from a place of truth, then what are we doing here? Like, what are you building? It's a foundation of quicksand. That's what makes me most proud of this book, this platform, you know, the, the keynotes that I'm delivering, delivering one Kenya next week. Like what makes me most proud is that it is, it is fundamental, right? If I'm going to help people, I want to help them at the bottom of the root. And for me, that's honesty. Yeah. I love it. Well, I say here on the show that the obligation that we all have is to make the place better than we found it, you know, make the campsite better than when you came upon it. And I think there's a lot of cleaning up to do. So yeah, we, we all got our, our right. work cut out for us. That's right. But I think you're right. I think that's why, that's why I reached out to you. That's, you know, I, I love the stuff. I love the message. It's, it's at the core of what we, we believe here on this show. And like you said, I am sick and tired of all the BS that's out there in the world. I'm looking at your website right now. I mean, that's your first byline on your landing page. Everyone is nobody, nobody's sitting around going like, thank goodness. Everyone's lying to each other. That's just so fantastic. <laughs> right. Right. And just the egos. I'm just tired of the egos, right? Yep. Humble, teachable spirit is what everybody needs. Yeah. With a level of intensity, right? And that's what I love about you. It sounds like you've got that level of intensity of accomplishing big, hairy, audacious things, but it's coupled with a humble, teachable spirit. I think that's that where that intersects. That's the sweet spot we should be aiming for. Yeah, I would summarize that. I like the way you phrase that. I would summarize it in one word as curiosity. I love it. Just being. You know, in a constant state of, I wonder if that's true. I wonder what this person's really trying to communicate to me. I wonder if that thought I just had is actually helping me. Like, it, just curiosity, always. I love it. Well, how can people uh, learn more about you, Peter, and and engage in your services? Sure. So come have an honest conversation at honest2greatness.com. That's honest2greatness.com. There you can take the free 21-question honesty quiz, which will tell you your honesty type if you are brave enough to know. Um, and you also get a, a workbook delivered to your inbox uh, that takes you through all the you know modules of, of how to make this work in your life and business. Again, that's totally free. And of course, uh, you know, go pick up a copy of Honest to Greatness everywhere books are sold. Um, I've had a lot of folks reach out and say, yeah, grabbed one for me and then realized my entire team needs to read this and get on the same page, which is great. The only thing I do not recommend is that you take a book and hand it to someone with a wink and be like, Hey, you really need this one. Like that's probably not the way to go. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so don't recommend that. And I really do appreciate your stuff and, and I'm proud to have you a part of the dose of leadership tribe and having you on the show and uh, would love to keep in touch. Sounds good, Rich. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.